Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Amen. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. And Jesus was approaching Jericho. and The blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now, hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him, boy, be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. I'm going to say that one more time. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, him glorifying God and following God, they gave praise to Praise to God. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't stop. That's what I want to talk about this morning. No matter how hard it is, or no matter how hard it gets, don't stop. Juneteenth is now a federal holiday in the United States of America commemorating the emancipation of enslaved African Americans. It is now an observance, a celebration for the African American culture. It originated in Galveston, Texas, amen, uh, annually, June 19th, since 1866. But the original date was 1863. It took 158 years. Come on, somebody. Tell your neighbor, don't stop. Amen. It took what? Uh, 158 years total. Even though the Emancipation Proclamation was effective in 1863, it could not be implemented in places under the Confederate control. As a result, amen, the Confederate state of Texas enslaved people, amen, would not be free, unfreed until years later. The army announced to more than 250,000 enslaved black people in the state that they were free. This day came to be known as Juneteenth. You see, I believe generations before didn't forget. If it wasn't for people like Sheila Jackson Lee, Come on, somebody. And, and, and our state representatives, amen, who are, still, who are still fighting for a cause. The next generation now, I have, I'm asking the question for this generation, what would you fight for? What will you stand for? We have police brutality. We have uh, Black Lives Matter. We have all these different things going on. But I want to say to you today, this weekend is a, is a celebration weekend. I, I believe that it's because we have people who refuse to quit. 
people who refuse to give in. We find in our text today that Jesus is on his way to Calvary. He begins in this chapter with prayer and he speaks in parable. We get down to the rich young ruler and what we have here is a preview. What we have here is a prelude before Jesus goes to suffer. You see, the disciples in chapter 18, verse 34, you see, if you look at it, it says, but the disciples understood none of these things. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking with Jesus? Can you imagine being with Jesus? Can you imagine being there with him, watching him open blind eyes? Can you imagine being there in 1863? Can you imagine being free but not knowing you're free? Nobody telling you you're free. Come on, somebody. You know, you know the, the thing about the disciples, I believe, it, it, I look at this as a contrast because they walked with Jesus. They, they did, but they did not understand the meaning of his mission. Jesus told them that he would die. He told them that he was about to die. If you look at the text very carefully, it says in verse uh, 31, he took the 12 aside and said to him, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things which were written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. The text says, And he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated, and watch this, and spit upon, and after they have scourged him, they will kill him. Verse 34 is very clear. Look at verse 34. The text says, but the disciples did what? They did what? They understood none of these things. Jesus is telling them, I'm about to die for you. But they did not understand. I'm trying to help somebody. Maybe we didn't understand what Juneteenth was. Or maybe we didn't understand the struggles that African Americans have been through in this country. Or just, just as a people, period. Amen. The struggles that we all go through now. But the one thing you have to understand if you're going to live this Christian life, you got to understand why Jesus died for you. Do you have anybody? The Bible says that it was hidden from them so that they would not comprehend these things. I often think about it. Maybe God is keeping some things from you because you're not ready for the revelation. Do I have anybody? The text goes on to say in verse 35, this is Bartimaeus. We find that as Jesus was approaching, verse 35, amen, uh, as he was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. So the first thing I want to talk about, first thing I want to give you is, if we're going to look at this blind man, I want to look at his condition. Yeah. You see, oftentimes we blame our condition for why we stop. This man was blind. And on top of being blind, he was a beggar. If you notice in Scripture, most blind men can get jobs. As a matter of fact, it seems like they wasn't all that good to the handicapped back then because when you find them, they're all begging. They're all sitting by the road begging for money. They need to contribute to the family, so the best option for employment is to become professional beggars. Your condition sometimes may cause you to believe that you can't move from where you are. 
I'm trying to help somebody. And the reason why you stopped is because you have accepted your condition as final. But I stopped by to tell you that Bartimaeus this day would have an encounter with Jesus. Do I have anybody? And I want to say something to you that, that it seems to me that sometimes our condition is where we get our determination from. And our determination is what drives us. His name was Bartimaeus. Matter of fact, his name, his name meant unclean. His name meant defiled. His name meant he was a burden on his family. Anybody ever felt like you're a burden to your family? And not only a burden to his family, but he was a burden to society. He did not contribute anything to society. He was taken from society. Can you imagine thinking about yourself and viewing your condition, thinking that you can't do better, thinking that you are going to stop? But I want to tell you something. There was some other Barah in scripture. Their name started B-A-R. You have Bartimaeus, the blind man. You have Barabbas, the criminal who was released by people. Watch this. He, he was released and Jesus was kept to be crucified. You have Barnabas who was the son of encouragement. You see, so God can change your condition Amen. If you don't allow your condition to cause you to stop. Tell your neighbor, I ain't stopping. Amen. Verse 38. Let's look at it. Look what the text says. Verse 35. It says he was by the road begging. Verse 36. Now hearing the crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. He's trying to figure out what's all this noise. You see, that's why when we come to church, we ought, we ought not to be quiet. We, we ought to say amen. You got to understand why I'm so loud. You got to understand why my praise feels the way it does, look the way it does, it sound the way it sounds. Because, see, I've been through something. Anybody here been through something? See, my condition causes me to praise God. My past condition causes me to thank God because I was blind and I was a beggar. Do I have anybody? text says, the text says he, he started to quiet to the crowd. He was hearing the crowd. The crowd was making noise. I'm trying to show you something. Hold on to that word crowd for a minute. Watch this. Watch. Follow me now. Follow me now. The text says, and he was hearing the crowd going by. He began to inquire what this was. Verse 37 says, and they told him, look what they told him. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. You see, oftentimes I believe we miss Jesus. Oftentimes we're in the presence of Jesus and we miss Jesus. Look at verse 38. It says, and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, he heard the crowd. Come on, somebody. He did not let his condition stop him from calling out to the one who could help him. Now, my question was this. What did they tell him about Jesus? Did they tell him that he could open blind eyes? Did they tell him that he can heal the sick, raise the dead? Come on, somebody. Walk on water. Tell the, the storms, hush, be still. What did he tell? Can I ask you, what's your testimony about Jesus? What, what do you tell others about Jesus? What do you tell others that he has done for you? 
You see, we can be around Jesus and become part of the crowd and forget what he has really done. For, I'm going to preach by myself today. So not only do I see his condition, but I see his courage. He had the courage. He had the courage to call out to Jesus. Everyone was following him, but they were not courageous enough to cry out to him for their needs. Watch where I'm going with this. You came to church today. Will you leave the same? Or will you have the courage to cry out to God and say, God, I'm tripping. God, I got a problem this morning. God, my faith is weak. God, I need help with my marriage. I need help with my children. I, listen, you see, you come to church, but are you part of the crowd? Or are you part of the people who understand, watch this, that it takes courage to talk about what you're going through? Do I have anybody? We see his condition. We see his condition. Amen. <laughs> then, then, then the text goes on to say, watch, watch what happens now. He calls out to Jesus. That's what he did. He calls out to Jesus. Let me see this thing. He, he, he calls out to Jesus. He calls out to Jesus. And look at verse, look at verse 39. The text says, and those who led the way, the crowd, watch this now, were sternly telling him to be quiet. Shh, be quiet. Shh. Let, let me say this. There are haters in church who will try to silence you. And, and not just haters. I want to tell you something. Satan will try to shut you up, to cause you to stop calling or crying out to God for your need. Are you with me? The text says that, watch what the text says. The text says those who led the way were sternly telling, man, be quiet. But he kept what? Cry, don't you, listen, don't you let nobody stop you from crying out. His consistency, I'm assuming that Bartimaeus had a distinct cry. Because it caused Jesus, watch this, to, watch it, to turn in his direction, it caught Jesus' attention. I want to say something to you. Are you just crying out like the crowd? Are you just blending in or can you be honest about what you're really going through in your life today to say to God, God, I got a real issue. God, I'm really going through. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to throw in the towel. But it's because of my condition, because of my courage, and because of my consistency that I can get to Jesus. Anybody here this morning want to get to Jesus? Anybody need to get Jesus's attention? Do I have anybody the text says that in verse 40 it says and Jesus stopped look what he did he stopped and what did he do he commanded that he be brought what to him and when he came near what did he do he questioned him may I ask you a question I, I see his consistency but watch watch the kill watch his kill See, we think the cure was, was just 
watch this. Watch, watch the cue. Watch, watch the cue real quick. It says, what do you want me? Look what Jesus asked. What do you want me to do for you? May I ask you a question this morning? Why do you come to church? Are you coming to church to leave the same? Jesus is asking the question, what can I do? Oh, I wish I had a few people. I, what can I do or what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Lord, I want to regain what? My sight. Look at verse 42. And Jesus said to him, what did he say to him? Re receive your sight, watch this, your faith. Was it the crying out to Jesus? Was it, was it him uh, uh, being consistent? Yes, but, but the cure was his faith. I'm going to say it one more time. The cure was in Jesus, but the cure was his faith in Jesus. I'm trying to help somebody. Here's what I'm trying to say. I want to have that kind of faith. That when I come into the presence of God, give me a little bass. When I come into the presence of God, when I come to worship him, come on somebody, that my faith brings me into a position of healing, but it brings me to a place where I know that when I leave, I shall be cured. Do I have anybody here this morning that, that you're ready to throw in the towel? You're, you're ready to give up. You're, you're ready to say, I'm done with this. You, but, but, but you're calling out your consistency with God is going to pay off after a while. Somebody here just keeps saying, Pastor, I keep doing and I keep doing. I keep trying and I keep trying. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of holding on. Tell your neighbor, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't quit. It is your faith that will bring the cure. Bartimaeus was so consistent. And then Jesus says this. Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith. And somebody here, I want to tell you something. You don't need big, gigantic faith. You just need mustard seed faith. But you don't need small faith because small faith don't get it. But mustard seed faith will get it. The reason we stop is because we stop believing. We stop believing. Can you imagine being a beggar? blind and your condition has caused you to feel like you'll never change the doctors have given up on you come on somebody friends have turned their backs on you the situation society has said this is it for you but God says I got another plan for you this wasn't no young beggar this was a professional beggar this wasn't no just now beggar he was begging all his life and all his life he understood and he became good with what he had become, what he was. He was born with this handicap, but he did not call, he did not allow it to stop him from crying out to the one who could kill him. But let me show you something. He had the faith 
in Jesus before he was healed. Ah, I'm trying to help you. Watch this. What he heard, I'm just curious. I be asking questions like, like what did he hear? What, what, what was he listening to? What did they say about Jesus? And can I ask you a question? What do you know about Jesus? Let me guess. He's all right. <laughs> I, 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 know, I know that's what some of you say. You're talking about what he does for you. But I'm talking about what do you know about him? Do you know that he's king of kings and lord of lords? Do you know that he's alpha and omega? Do you know that he is the wheel in the middle of the wheel? Come on, somebody. Do you know that he's a bridge over troubled waters? Do you know that he can make a way? He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. Come on, somebody. He's a mind regulator. Do you know that he can feed you when you're hungry? Do you know that he can pick you up? Do you know that he can turn you around? Do you, do you know that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think? Do you know that he's your shepherd? Do you know that he can lead you beside still waters? Do I have anybody? Do you know that he's your refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble? Do you know Jesus? And when you know Jesus and what you've heard about Jesus, it will activate your faith to believe in Jesus. Some of us are not convinced. Some of us, we have ownership but no occupancy. God owns you, but he don't occupy you. Oh, I wish I had some. I'm going to get into that next week. Watch this. Watch this. You know about him. <laughs> but guess what? It's, that's about it. It's an introduction without a relationship. And I want to tell somebody, Bartimaeus didn't need to know any, anything else. But what he did hear, he believed. And I'm talking to somebody, you hear the word week in and week out. But you're still struggling with your belief. You heard what he can do. You heard that he can open the Red Sea. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Uh, uh, Ezekiel said he, he preached bone, uh, flesh back on dry bones. Do I have anybody? When he found you, he found you at the bottom of life. See, we hadn't been through nothing. <laughs> Amen. But, but when you've been through something, you can testify how good he's been. Do I have anybody? So I see his condition. I see his courage. I see his consistency. I see his cure. I know I stayed there a little while. But, but I believe that his cure is the key. But, but lastly... Verse 43, the text says, immediately. Some of you have been waiting for your healing. <laughs> Some of you have been waiting for God to open doors. But how many of you need an immediate miracle this morning? How, how many of you need a door to open immediately? Let, let, me, let me see if I can, let, let me see if y'all still here. How many need God to open a door immediately for you right now? And I'm talking about right now. I ain't talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about right now. That, that you need an immediate miracle. You need something to happen right now. Right now. I want to tell somebody the text says immediately. He regained his sight and began 
following him. Can I help somebody with something? Let me help you with something. You've been in church a long time, but you ain't been following Jesus. You've been in church a long time, but God can take a beggar, a blind beggar, and in the same day, he can heal that blind beggar. You know why he heals that blind beggar? Because he knows that after he heals that blind beggar, he can use that blind beggar. Can I ask you a question? Can God use you? Can God use your eyes? Can he use your hands? Can he use your legs? Can he use all of you? The reason he was healed immediately. He believed in Jesus. He had the faith. But lastly, I see his commitment. You see, oftentimes, that's where the rubber meets the road. You see, we get involved in commercial Christianity. Where it's, I'll come and I'll listen to you. And that's as far as the relationship with Jesus will go. But God says, I'm not really interested in the crowd. So what I'm going to do, every time you come, I'm going to speak in parables so you won't come back. I wish I had somebody. And so if you're sitting here today and you're understanding the parable, that means you're one of the committed. But if you're not understanding the parable... And you say, that preacher is crazy. All he did was yell the whole 30 minutes. I want to tell you something. This bud is not for you. And I'm not talking about Budweiser either. Look what he said. He said, and he was following him and glorifying God. And watch this. Watch this. The reason God wants to heal some of you today is because other people are watching you. The text says, and when all the people saw it, saw what? The blind man. The beggar that they knew for years. The, the downcast, the outcast in life. Come on, somebody. When they saw him committed, they were glorifying God and doing what? And all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Can I ask you a question? Who is praising God because of you? You say that don't matter. It should matter. We come into, into the presence of God because we've been changed, y'all. Anybody here been changed? Anybody here been changed? Don't get so comfortable and so cute with your Christianity that you stop opening your mouth and glorifying the God that found you when you were blind, when you were begging, when you didn't have a dollar or two coins to rub together. You couldn't, you didn't have gas in your car. Your lights was always off. Stuff was getting repoed all the time. You were in bad shape until Jesus opened your eyes 
And when he opened your eyes, now you're living the high life. Now you're living good. Now you're balling. You're shot calling. You're, you're making decisions. And come on, somebody. But listen, every now and then, every Sunday when you come to church, you ought to pause like Bartimaeus. And you ought to say, I've regained my sight. I'm going to say it one more time. I've regained my sight. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was far away from the Lord, but he brought me near. In 1980, a young lady entered the Boston Marathon. She started the race looking great. And as the runners approached the finish line, she was leading the pack by a country mile, breaking all kinds of records. The crowds applauded as she crossed the finish line and was crowned the champion. It was suspicious, however, that the woman would have won the marathon. No one has ever won the marathon. By a country mile. Lo and behold, when they examined the situation, the girl started the race, but then left and ran and got on the subway and rode the subway for 16 miles, got off the subway, got back on the route, and crossed the finish line first. When her cheating was discovered, she was, of course, disqualified from the race. Some of us have started the Christian life, but we've jumped on the subway. I wish I had somebody. We want to cross the finish line, but we, got it. we jumped on the subway. And we want to hear, well done, that good and faithful crook. But I want to say to somebody here, you got to stay in the race. You don't stop. You don't take no shortcuts. You stay committed. You stay the course. And you follow Jesus. Does it get hard? Yep, it does. As a matter of fact, if it's not hard for you, you're on the wrong team. The Bible says they that desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Okay, that's what the Bible said. The Bible said you will suffer persecution. But I want to tell you something. God will give you all the equipment you need to handle the persecution. Bartimaeus impressed me this morning. He impressed me because when I looked at at this man, his condition, his courage, his consistency, his cure. His cure was Jesus, but his cure was, he was part of the cure. His faith. But listen, don't get cured and then you're not committed. Some people get cured and we don't see him again. I'm trying to figure out what happened. And I'm not just talking about, I'm just talking about sickness. I'm talking about your mental makeup. I'm talking about your attitude. I'm talking about that, them nasty stuff that was inside of you before the Lord just took out of you. You don't cuss no more. You don't lie no more. You don't, you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about consistently. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm saying God done delivered you. 
But no one is glorifying God because of you. No one is praising God because you're praising God. So I encourage me to you. Don't stop. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory for the great things that he has done.